The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome into the QB Sco Show. This is episode 28, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleedy Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist, and I'd like to officially welcome my co-host and QB1 in my heart, Mark Schofield, to the SB Nation family. If you haven't seen, Mark is now a part of the Pat's Pulpit feed. So if you enjoy his analysis as much as I do, make sure you're subscribed to that to keep your eye on the enemy, Mark. How you doing, brother? Thank you for the fine welcome, my friend. And yes, please <laughs> do subscribe to the Pat's Pulpit feed, if only so SB Nation does not immediately regret their decision by bringing me aboard. Now, we we hope it doesn't come to that. For those of you that had the under on the Vegas 1.5 episodes, I'm sorry I got some bad news, but we hit two this week. So, uh, big, big week. Now, Michael, the gentle listeners to the QB Scale Show know that we always open with a historical reference. And so, I'm going to talk about gifts today, not gifts as in traits, as in things that some Eagles quarterbacks may or may not have displayed last night. I'm going to talk about the actual given of gifts. And gentle listeners might remember that I am working my way through the Pope's by John Julius Norwich. And if those of you are out there or looking for a sharp, fun, witty, energetic tome about the history of Catholic popes, well, for all one of you gentle listeners, I have got some good news and a book to recommend. Now, as I said, um, I am working through this book um, rather slowly, as you might find out, because I read chapter four last night about Gregory the Great, Pope Gregory, who was pontiff from 592-604. And Mike, he was pontiff during a time of hopeful expansion of Christendom. And the Catholic Church had a couple of targets. They were looking at Visigothic Spain, Frankish Gaul, and Anglo-Saxon Britain as ways to create and extend the arm of Christendom. And I'm going to read now from Norwich's book about some gifts. Quote in here, the challenge of Visigothic Spain solved itself. Around the turn of the century, its Arian king Recared, now that's Arian, A-R-I-A-N, not A-R-Y-A-N, we don't want to make that little mistake. Arian refers to a different branch of beliefs about the Catholic Church, that Jesus Christ was the actual begotten Son of God and was therefore subordinate to him, yada, 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 we'll move on. Now, encouraged by the Pope's friend Leander, Bishop of Seville, Arian king Recared announced his conversion to Catholicism. The bulk of the population, being by origin Roman provincials, were Catholic already. Now the remaining Arian nobles and bishops, again A-R-I-N, followed their monarch's lead. Now we get to the gifts. As a sign of his pleasure, and perhaps relief, at the news, Gregory made the king a present of two relics of extreme holiness. A key made from the chains of St. Peter, 
I mean, nothing says thanks for converting than like giving a guy a key made out of change that the guy was forced to wear when he was in prison for preaching Catholicism. Yeah. And a crucifix containing within it a fragment of the true cross, i.e. the cross Jesus Christ was crucified on, together with a few hairs from the severed head of John the Baptist. Now, Pope Gregory is not known as Pope Gregory the Great for his gift-given prowess because nothing says, hey, really, man, thank you so much for converting than giving him something that reminds a person of being imprisoned in chains, crucified, and decapitated. Those are some gifts, my friend. Well, if you got some gifts from preseason last night and it felt like getting decapitated. <laughs> felt like getting <laughs> imprisoned, you know, chained up to watch your eventual decapitation and hoping that you die well a la William Wallace. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, let's let's talk about the uh, the decapitation that was last night for, for the Eagles. And look, be- before we get into what the Eagles could do to mitigate the loss of backup quarterback Nate Sudfeld for several weeks due to a broken left wrist, his non-throwing hand, by the way. Let's talk about his performance in week one, and we'll kind of look at all the Eagles quarterbacks here. Preseason action, week one overall for Sudfeld, I thought it was kind of what we expected, which, you know, that's a good thing too. 10 for 18, 177 yards, one touchdown. We knew that if we if he saw one-on-one that he'd take his shots, and he did not disappoint. <laughs> what was amazing about that, Mike? I'm sorry to cut you off, but yeah. the like pregame promo package they had for Nate Sudfeld because uh, I was watching, you know, they had the Eagles feed on NFL Game Pass. So he had laryngitis, Ross Tucker, you know, fighting his way through it. But that yeah. pregame package they had for Sudfeld was nothing of MC and cover one and just saying, I'm going deep, baby. I'm going deep. It yep. was just amazing. Yeah. And he, he got that one-on-one coverage a couple of times. He just yeah. missed connecting with J.J. Arcego-Whiteside on a deep pass on a post there. His yep. biggest play of the day came with one-on-one coverage, Mark on Michelle burning Dory Jackson for some reason on a 75-yard touchdown bomb. So he was out there slinging it and trying to take advantage of his limited opportunities to show that he's the ingrained number two on this roster and also fighting for his future on a contract year. What did you think about Studfeld? I thought he had a great night. I thought he had a really good night. Obviously, injury aside, you know, mentioned the early deep shot to JJ. Is it? I know he'll go by Arcega. Ross and company said it's in the King Spanish. It's Artega because the C is pronounced as a T. No, you got to do it. You got to do it like Arthega. Arthega. I'm just going to call him Jaw. I mean, it's just easier yeah. that way. He's jaw. Yeah. But yeah, they got the one-on-one coverage there and he put a good ball out in front of him. He jaw just couldn't quite come down with it, but he made a good effort at it. And then, yeah, the, the touchdown throw to Michelle was sort of a Mills type concept, inside receiver on a dig, outside receiver on a post. They got mm. cover four, which basically, like you said, it's one-on-one coverage because that safety dives down on the dig that leaves you one-on-one yep. in the corner. And the corner is going to be using outside leverage because he expects he might have some safety help. And so it was ideal situation, perfect ball, great trajectory on it. I thought he had a great night. I thought obviously the connection between him and Dallas Goddard was there early and often. You know, he saw him in a couple of stick routes. He had that crosser when he was working against Wesley Woodyard, the veteran linebacker, 10-year player, you know, in this league. So I thought he had a good night. And in a sense, even though it ended with an injury, as far as his position on the Philadelphia Eagles, the night ended with him having a great night because when it gave way to Cody Kessler and Juggs <laughs> Thorson, I think his position, at least on the Eagles roster, you know, if he's healthy, is quite solidified. Yeah, you can't look at Sudfeld and what these other two quarterbacks, which we're about to talk with, and say that like there isn't like a clear gap between the two. I think Sudfeld made that extremely clear as probably the most competent quarterback on the field for the Eagles last night. When you look at what the loss means for the Eagles, we have to examine what's on the roster first before we look outside of it. And to do that, let's move on to Cody Kessler, the young journeyman. 
Three for six, 12 yards, pulled one down for a one-yard scramble, just electrifying stuff. What's your take on Kessler's performance and perhaps his chances as being the stopgap number? I can't take this seriously. <laughs> I, I mean, look, his best play last night. <laughs> Sorry, death no, listeners. We're I mean, having a look, moment. Look, we're having a moment. We're having a moment here. His, his best play last night was probably an incompletion that he underthrew because he evaded the sack what could have been yeah. a safety, you know, the left guard got beat off the snap and he had a free rusher at him and he did a great job sort of evading that. But then look, Cody Kessler is not going to be confused with, say, Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Tyree Jackson in terms of velocity. Like he, velocity is a big old question mark for Cody Kessler and he didn't have enough to get it on this little flare route to the sideline. And yeah, he evaded the pressure there. And it was a good play, but it's hard to feel excited about what he did. I mean, I'm just glancing at my notes here and okay throw, bubble slash meh, low throw, oi. Like that's what I wrote when I was, you know, watching him again this morning. It it wasn't inspiring. And I come to this as someone that kind of liked him coming out as much as you might like your QB7. But, you know, a tremendous moment about Cody Kessler was at the Senior Bowl. It was actually pre-Senior Bowl. Matt Miller for Bleacher Report before that Senior Bowl said, I just want to see Carson Wentz and Cody Kessler warming up next to each other, which I thought was just almost cruel in a sense because one of those guys could really spin it. One of them kind of struggles in that area. And now they're teammates. We don't know for how much longer, but they are teammates (laughs) currently. So we go from the good to the bad, and now we go to the ugly or the fire into the sun, however you want to put it. Clayton Thorson, fifth-round rookie out of Northwestern, he's had an abysmal training camp by all accounts, and that manifested itself on the field last night. I said he should have been airdropped in the Himalayas and asked what shape are the footballs on the planet he's from last night during the Kiss and Solak reaction show to the to the game there. Two for nine, seven yards, one interception, probably should have been two. Had a couple drops from his, from his wide receivers, but overall... Like, it's hard for me to say, I told you so, because this is what, like, a lot of people saw. It was it was obvious to a lot of people, including me, you, Solak, pretty much everyone here at BGN, especially when I remember me and you pounding the table for him or McSorley to be replaced on the Senior Bowl roster by Brett Rippon, mm-hmm. who had a game-winning drive to his name in his first preseason action, despite not playing, like, all that well. But Mark Thorson. My body isn't ready, but hit me with the hashtag analysis anyway. He should drop it to Casa de Mitch and become a table person. I mean, oh, pub, pub G reference. Little pub G like reference. It. No, <laughs> again, similar to, to Kessler, the best thing I could say about him is that he climbed the pocket well. That's it. I mean, the first throw that, I, that really sticks out in your mind is the interception, where he does a tremendous job climbing the pocket. Handles the pocket pressure well. He's got some pressure off the edges and then just airmails it. I mean, this thing looked like like a mortar shot coming out of his hand. And he airmailed a number of throws. That was a fourth down and one, fourth and one throw that he had on a mesh where he had the crosser from left to right, right, just wide open and just airmailed it. Like now that was getting called back anyway because of an OPI. But I was wondering, is his release point off? Is he just overexcited? Trying to, he's just a mess. Yeah, he had some throws in the preseason that BLG was telling me. It just like it came out of his hand weird, and he had some real wobblers. So I don't know what's going on there with him. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Is it a the new Vikings rookie center? Like, is there a sweat situation that he's dealing with? Like, 
the kitty get a can we get our boy a towel, some chalk, like something? Is it yeah. is it the ball slipping out of his hands? I don't know what's going on, but he needs to figure this out in a hurry. Interestingly enough, you know, with the injury to Sudfeld, he might get a chance to get some more reps. But is that even going to be a good thing? Because I've seen some of the takes from training campus you have. And it doesn't sound good. And this was not a good performance. And if you're Doug Peterson, Howie Roseman, you have to be thinking here on Friday morning, we probably have to do something. Because if we go into week one with Sudfeld, you know, sidelined, because he might be, Wentz coming off of an injury, and these two guys, when you're talking about a team that has arguably the best roster top to bottom, but you don't want to have a situation where you're going to be relying on one of these two chuckleheads as they look right now to run the show for you, worst case scenario. Yeah, so along with the Eagles, you got to watch some other quarterbacks around the league do their thing. And there's a guy on the Patriots that you wanted to talk about on this show specifically. So I'll get out of your way and I'll let you make the pitch, man. Go for it. Well, I mean, look, at the end of that Eagles game, you heard Ross Tucker up in the booth say, look, you got to think about exploring options. He mentioned um, Josh Johnson. You know, he's a name that's out there. Matt Castle's out there. I saw the WIP poll on Twitter this morning, the Colin Kaepernick question, and it was like two to one against Brennan and Colin Kaepernick. Now, if there's a GM slash owner that would have the power to do something like that, I think it Laurie and Roseman might be the combination. Kraft and Belichick might be another. You have to have some recent success to be able to say, look, we can do that because you know there's going to be pushback regardless of how you feel about Colin Kaepernick's situation and protesting and all of that. Brian Hoyer from the New England Patriots. Now, again, I'm a Patriots guy. I host a Patriots show. I write for Pat's Pulpit. Jared Stidham had an impressive debut last night. I watched him, studied him again this morning. I was really impressed with the rookie out of Auburn. You've got four, technically four quarterbacks on that roster. Obviously, Tom Brady's not going anywhere. I think Jared Stidham is probably locked up at least the number three spot, if not the number two spot already. Now you've got Brian Hoyer and Danny Etlin. And Danny Etlin was a guy that was probably not going to make this roster as a quarterback because he's been moved to wide receiver. There's something there, but Brian Hoyer, a longtime journeyman, started some games here and there, places like New England, places like Chicago and San Francisco. That might be a name that could become available if the Patriots really like what they see in Jarrett Stidham, and I think they do. He's had a really good camp. I've been told that the team really likes him. They like how he's gone out there every single day and gotten a little bit better each day. He looked great last night. That might be a name that comes available. And I'm sure we're going to hear throughout the rest of camp like other names that might become available. Brian Hoyer is one to sort of keep in the back of your mind, I'd say. So how how did Hoyer look? He looked good. I mean, he looked good. He was playing mostly with the twos. Um, he got the start. Veteran guy that's obviously not going to light the world on fire, but he's better than I'd say Kessler and Thorson are right now. And if you're looking at a situation where, you know, Sudfeld's going to be down for into the regular season, you want to have a viable plan B behind Carson Wentz. And he's more viable, I'd say, than Kessler, than Thorson. Now, a lot of this might depend on the timetable for, you know, Nate Sudfeld and that left wrist injury. Because if it looks like he's going to be fine for the start of the season, then I think for Philadelphia, you probably just want to go more the camp body type route. Because yeah. it's going to be somebody that will be expendable, use this time to get Kessler and Thorson some reps, whatever. But if you are worried about this becoming a regular season, then you need that viable plan B. Because look, we all, all of us, Eagles fans, 
guys like me, Patriots fans, football fans, we want Carson Wentz to play all 16 games and be completely healthy. But you can't enter a season with such expectations like the Eagles have without a viable plan B behind Carson Wentz for week one, just in case. Yeah, and what David J. Chow at Pro Football Doc is saying right now, and he's the one that kind of gave us some perspective on the injury as it it happened with Sudfeld, he's saying that his guesstimate is eight weeks well, only we missed the early part of the season for Sudfeld there. Uh, he said it's probably likely they'll just bring in a camp arm. But what he's saying is Wentz only needs to fly without his backup net for a few weeks. It's not the end of the world. And if you have to have Kessler play for a couple games, like if Wentz, if Wentz goes down for a significant amount of time in the beginning of the season, I don't know if any of this matters, to be honest. Right. With. I don't know who you can bring in and get them up to speed and have them be effective to the point where it's so much better than than Kessler. So I don't know if, you know, spending resources on that is the, is the best idea. So, but it is a situation to monitor. It is a conversation to have. Like, I mean, I, I was even thinking on on the drive this morning, like, do we try to bring Josh McCown out of retirement? Because like he seems like a guy that could step in and learn a system very quickly and at least get you through a couple of games. You know what I mean? And that's really all you're looking for. What, so- is, what does Peterson have left? <laughs> I mean, no, but- Can like, they do that? Can, can you do a little Wade Rudy player coach situation? <laughs> I mean, the thing about it is, it's not like this is the AFC. I mean, the AFC, you look around that conference top to bottom and- it's a little thin. We can be grownups here and say that it's a little thin. You look at the NFC and that conference is loaded. One game might make a difference between like being in and being out. Like yeah. it really yeah. might. And That's so true. again, we're talking about a, a lot of ifs here as in if Sudfeld can't go and according to the channel, maybe he can't go early. And then if something happens to Wentz and you've got like games two and three or three and four with Cody Kessler, could that be the make or break part of your season? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I'm just – I'm a quarterback guy and I want to see quarterbacks get gigs. And so I'm always out there saying backup <laughs> quarterbacks need to be respected, put some respect on their collective names. And so, yeah, I might ban the table for getting in a good plan B. I Just given the depth of this conference and given how the NFC East, again, Dallas and Philadelphia both look like good teams, although you know Dallas has some questions of their own right now. Yeah, I don't know. One game could be critical. Two games could be really critical, again, True. in worst case scenario situations. Yeah, no, and that's, and that's good context there. So it's, it's something to keep an eye on, and I'm fascinated to see what the Eagles are going to do. And let, let's look within the division as well, and, and it's not with the Cowboys here, but I kind of wanted to go to the Giants because I know you saw some of the rookie Daniel Jones. I saw his first drive, and I got to say, like, it, it was pretty impressive. And, and what the Giants were doing was smart in the way that they kind of constructed that first drive from a play-calling perspective. They were getting him on the zero to one-step drops, hitting the quick slants, getting him in a rhythm, and then they set up you know, the big the big play action with Max Protect, and he's able to drive it down the field. He has a nice throw on the touchdown. Uh, I didn't get to see the rest of it, but from what I saw from that drive, if you juxtapose it to, to Eli Manning, like I don't know how long you can justify keeping Eli as the starter as if he stumbles through the gates because Giants fans are going to be pining over him. I mean, they got the Boo Birds on the first drive because they were in a draw on third <laughs> and eight. Which, third and eight, Boobers came out. Football is back, baby. <laughs> so what would you think of uh, Jones's performance, the rookie there? Let the era of unbridled optimism wash over you, Giants fans. <laughs> that is a that is a reference to Tony Kornheiser because when Steve Strasburg came to the Nationals and had his first start and had like 17 strikeouts, I remember Kornheiser on the radio the next day just saying, look, basket it. Just let the unbridled optimism wash over you because it won't be here forever. Mike, that was it for Jones because they had weather delay. 
And mm. so they went to the teams went to the locker room, fans went to the concourses for like 30 minutes. And I, we were talking on the Twitter DMs about how they should sit him down, and they did. When the teams came back, Jones was done. So he finished like he. With that, that with that drive, five for five, sixty-seven yards and a touchdown. And look, we crushed it. That pick, like we, I remember you clipping the post-draft reaction show of us just like giggling for thirty seconds straight about it. We crushed it. A lot of people crushed it. He looked good last night. Now five for five, and I think three, three actually four of the five completions came on first and ten situations. So they got him in some advantageous throwing on first down situations. They yep. got him. Like you said, some one-step stuff. His second completion was an RPO design where he had a clear throwing lane. They had mm-hmm. the play action with max protection, and he had a great pocket to throw from. Now, he did do a good job because he had crossing route from right to left and swing route out of the backfield, and then he had to hold that flat defender on that swing route, and he did a good job of that to be able to throw that crosser behind it. You know, the touchdown was a great throw, and interestingly enough, flat seven against a cover two, red two look, a red zone cover two. I had written a piece for Big Blue View like last week about Eli throwing a disastrous pick in the red zone on that same design against that Ooh. same coverage uh, against Dallas last year. But Jones is able to make a precision throw with some velocity on it. I think his best play might have been the third and eight, the one third down he faced because he saw a pressure look bit more exotic of a defense on the base stuff he was seeing, sped up his drop a little bit, cut it short to get it out because he was getting blitzed and made an anticipation throw on the out. Look, it was a very good debut. And I think if you're a Giants fan, you're probably smiling a little bit this morning because you can go in and, you know, the co-workers that were crushing you after the draft, you could say, aha, uh-huh, aha, uh-huh, yeah. You guys drafted Clayton Thorson. Look what we did. Look what we got, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's one preseason game. I mean, right. there have been studs in the preseason. I remember the Washington Redskins under Steve Spurrier going 4-0 and and people in D.C. were saying, Super Bowl, baby, here we come. Like, <laughs> Take it for what it's worth. But it, look, if you're a Giants fan and you're listening to this, A, why? B, enjoy it. Like, enjoy it. Let the unbridled yeah. optimism wash over you. It's going to be a different story, I I would guess, but he looked good. He did. And like you said, it's, it's just one preseason game. We'll find out. Cooper Rush has looked great in the preseason, too. He hasn't yep. done anything since. So, yeah, that, it's it's something to watch, and it's something for Giants fans to be excited for and just completely fall in love, only to have their dreams dashed as they wander through the quarterback desert. At least as an Eagles fan, right? that's my hope. Right. Look, I, I I think 31 other fan bases would take some pleasure in that. So, I mean, look, that's the way this sport works. It's it's yeah. just a means of dunking on people, which we all <laughs> like to do. That's what Twitter is for. That's what sports are for. That's what life is for. Just finding people to dunk on. And what the QB Sco Show is for is breaking <laughs> exactly. down these sometimes meaningless preseason quarterback <laughs> performances. So I really uh, enjoy these talks and we'll be doing this throughout the preseason as well. Of course, if the Eagles sign a quarterback, maybe we'll we'll do a breakdown of that. Are we doing an emergency show for when they like sign Matt Castle? Because I don't know if we get paid enough for that. <laughs> Look, if they sign Luis Perez back to the oh squad, we are, we are definitely going to get my hands on doing... that AAF all 22. <laughs> I know a guy. We, we can make it happen. Guy. Yeah, don't tell Greg Gabriel. So <laughs> that that's going to do it for our part here on the QB Sco Show. I've been Michael Kist at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. He's been Mark Schofield at Mark Schofield on Twitter. Make sure you check out the Pat's Pulpit SB Nation podcast feed for all of Mark's takes. And look, we're going to kick it to a break. And then when we come back from break, it's going to be the Doug Peterson press conference. I'm just going to tack it on to the end of the show instead of making a 10 minute at the podium. So if you want to hear Doug's thoughts after the game, go ahead and stick around after the break. 
and we'll catch you next time here on the QBisco Show. It's not season ending, so we're excited about that. And uh, after surgery, we'll have more update for you probably Saturday when uh, when we get back together. How long of an injury is this? It's not season ending, so we're excited about that. I'll probably have a better update Saturday uh, once he gets out of surgery tomorrow. Can we look at another quarterback at this point? Right now, we're just going to continue with uh, with who we got. We're comfortable with Cody and, and obviously get Clayton more work. Um, and, you know, again, this is not uh, with Nate. It's not season ending. So, so again, we're, we're excited about that. If you were to bring a quarterback in, how long would it take? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, if, if that were that were the case, I mean, you know, just day day by day, just getting them in the playbook and, and getting them caught up. But, uh, you know, we're not at that point yet. Well, I mean, we still going to, you know, we still have a plan with with not just him, but but all our guys, you know, all our starters. And, and uh, you know, obviously, you know, uh, we don't play the Redskins for a few more weeks. So, um the goal is to get ready for that, obviously. But uh, you know, I have to evaluate uh, these guys in the next uh, next couple of weeks, and and, and you know, see if uh, see if they need to play in some of these games and and uh, make decisions that way. But you know, um, it's kind of uh, you know, you got to be smart with it. You got to give them enough work. They're getting great work in practice, uh, which has been very very pleasing to me. And uh, we're going to continue down that path. Would, you, would this change your mind if you thought about playing Carson some? these games would it kind of make you think every I mean every case is different I mean you know um you know if getting back to Nate I mean because this is not season ending it, it doesn't change it doesn't change anything you know um we, we just stay stay on stay on task uh, before the injury how do you think Nate was handling it? how do you think he, I he was playing playing well I mean he was seeing the field good uh great touchdown throw um had a couple opportunities, you know, missed missed a little bit, you know, wide on a couple throws early. But I thought he really had some showed great poise uh, going in against, uh, you know, uh, their their number one defense, you know, out there, and um, was doing some really good things. Kind of getting into a rhythm too, you know, right there before the half, and uh, felt like we had an opportunity to, uh, you know, get some points there at uh, end of the half. You know, first time out. I mean, I've been there as a young quarterback. I mean, obviously nervous and, and excited and, and wanting to do well. And, and uh, um, you know, I, that all stems from, you know, you, you look at some of the balls he threw, a little bit high, a little erratic. That's just it's just nerves and just calming down and, and playing in these games. But he'll, he'll get better. You know, he'll, he'll, get, he'll get more reps now. And, and uh, this will uh, be a great, uh, great experience for him to watch this tape and, and learn from. What were some of the things you saw from some of the younger guys that you you know, offensively, I think uh, you know Andre Dillard and Jordan Mulata both, you know, did some, did some good things. Um, you know, looking looking out there, I mean, you know, Mark and Michelle had the big big touchdown reception. Uh, Dallas in his second year, I mean, you know, he did some good things early. Uh, you know, defensively, I thought uh, you know Hall came in there once he kind of settled in, made some made some plays on the D line, and and uh, you know there was just enough enough guys that uh, you know. Um, one of the biggest things I think for me too is just getting tomorrow, just just taking taking a look at this film and uh, evaluating everybody. Wanted to get everybody in the game. I believe we did that, um, but uh, those are just a couple of guys. Not just nine, but overall in the summer, how have you liked Cody Kessler? Could you see a situation where he could go into the season as a backup? Yeah, Cody's you know he's a he's a veteran guy. Uh, he's he's started games in the National Football League. Um, he's he's uh, shown 
you know, us that he's been able to handle the playbook and, and, and sort of incrementally getting better every day. He, uh, you know, he gets out there and takes reps. Um, you know, it, looking looking forward. I mean, we're not there yet, but but he he's been in that role before, so he's he's accustomed to, to being a backup if that's the case. Um, but but right now we're focused on uh, these next few days and and uh, and uh, getting ready for Saturday. You sat most of the starters, but played Jordan Howard. Why wasn't that? Um, you know, wanted to see him. You know, live. Uh, wanted to get him out there and and. Uh, uh, you know, he and Miles Sanders kind of split the time there in the first quarter and, and see both of those guys together. You know, uh, that was our plan going in. Again, just, uh, you know, one of the plan was to, to let those two guys play the first quarter and then and then get the other guys in the uh, uh, in the game. Um, other than that, that was that was really that was really it. Is it more important at that particular position to, to see guys live running back, seeing yeah, it's it's great to see him live. Not only running the football, but pass protection, catching the ball. Um, you know, we got a lot of running backs right now, and so it gives everybody an opportunity, especially early uh, in 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 this this first preseason game for sure, to get to get everybody opportunities and and, and touches to uh, to show us where they are and what they can do. Why not add a quarterback? You said you're going to stick with the two guys. I can come out of retirement. What's that? I can come out of retirement. You could. He'd be all over me for that too. <laughs> but, uh, why not have Two other guys have names. Yes. Okay. So, Cody and Clayton, yes. and yes. and you know, listen, we're um, we're not there yet. You know, I mean, we're we're Nate. Nate's gonna be fine. Um, you know, he's gonna be back. Um, we're optimistic about that. And and then at the same time, you know, this gives Cody and Clayton opportunities to to continue to prove themselves right now and, and comfortable with them. You know, and, and, and with the ones, with the starters taking the majority of reps in camp, um, you know, it also gets Carson and those guys enough time to, to get themselves prepared for the for the opener as well. Two more, please. What did, if, let's say Carson's not playing a whole lot in the preseason games, like, would you need another quarterback to kind of push out a game? Um, I don't know. You know, uh, right now, we, you know, we've got we've got the three guys and, and – uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. We're not there yet. Uh, like I said, um, we'll evaluate it in the next couple of days. Um, see how Nate does overnight. You know, our thoughts and prayers with him going into tomorrow, and, and we'll see. That, that play that Nate got hurt on, it's right before the half. You're probably going to pull him at halftime anyway, and it happened on a roughing faster penalty. So how frustrating is that considering how close he was to being done for the day? Listen, you, you you know you look back and hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, you know you never second guess. I mean, it's just part of football. It happens. Uh, it's unfortunate for Nate that it that it happened right before halftime. But you know, look, it's uh, could have happened in the first quarter. You know, um, it's just the way it is. Did you think it was a um, Obviously, you know, roughing the passer. You know, uh, you know, we had one later in the game on us. Uh, you know, it's part of the game. Guys are playing hard, battling. You know, and, and uh, just just took an unfortunate fall. Thanks, guys.